As we um, talk today about the value of a formal education for women, I want you to think about the question, how important is it for you to finish college? Um, for many of you, that's not a major question because you're about one month away from finishing up and pretty excited about that, right? <clears throat> but there are others of you, this may be your first or second semester, and you're already at the point of thinking, this has gone wrong or that's gone wrong or there's no more money and there's no way I'm even going to be able to come back next semester. Um, this is not going to be a possibility for me to really be able to stay here for four years or what it takes to really complete a degree. And that's what I would... What I want to talk about today, to those of you who are kind of in that position and thinking about that, is it, how important is it really? With the things that are out there, the things I'm thinking about that I would really like to be doing with my life, the directions I would like the Lord to lead me in, I'm not really sure that having a college degree is going to be that important to me or that valuable. And that's what we want to talk about today. Um, I think as some of these things I talk about, some of our chapels we've had this week, I don't know that you would have wanted to take notes. I hope if you're interested in doing that and so moved to do that, you might want to take notes on a few things. Um, I want to give you eight kind of broad categories of why I think it can be valuable to a woman to complete a college degree. And there might be things that you'd want to go back at some point when the obstacles come and relook at that and think, how much effort do I want to give to pushing through these obstacles? Or you may have a friend who's thinking about... Uh, not pursuing education, you might want to review some of these things with her. <clears throat> now, one thing I want to assure you right up front is that um, how I present this and what I say about it would be very different depending on who my audience was. If this room were filled with all 50-year-old women who have walked with the Lord for all of their lives and loved him and been faithful to him and been obedient to him, and they have been married and been good wives to their husbands and they have raised children and been good mothers to their children. And they were sitting before me saying, is my life a failure because I never had a college degree? I would very quickly say absolutely not. I don't think there's any place for any kind of um, pride or snobbery about pursuing an education, about thinking that you're better than somebody else who does not have a college degree, who didn't go to college at all, or who went one or two years and did not finish. Um, God doesn't give us the opportunity to get an education so that we can um, feel like we have more worth or value than someone else who does not have one. But because my audience today is mostly young gals who are in the middle of their college career and are making decisions about whether or not to complete that degree is going to be a valuable thing to them. I want to say to you very strongly, um, I have many, many reasons for why I think that's a really good thing for you. And I hope that you'll be saying that by the time you leave here today. Okay, why finish? I want to start with my eight categories here. <clears throat> Number one has to do with, particularly if you're attending the master's college, or I'll broaden that a little bit and say any really good Christian college that's teaching good Bible teaching. I think that the opportunity that you have is to study God's Word, to gain a knowledge and an understanding of God's Word that will be valuable to you for the rest of your life. Why is that important? You want to be a wise woman. Wisdom begins with the right kind of knowledge, and that's biblical knowledge. And you will get excellent biblical training, I believe, through our Bible department here at the college. Again, for the rest of your life, Part of how the Lord is going to be using you, no matter what different roads your life takes, is going to be ministry to other people. It's going to be discipleship of other women. 
the more biblical training you get and the more solid that training is, the more effective your ministry is probably going to be. I think having good, solid scripture knowledge is also helpful in keeping us on the straight path in terms of what is right doctrinally. Um, We constantly see in our world the cults and all the weird things like what's going on in Waco right now. Um, And people drift off into all sorts of weird ideas. Aren't you embarrassed when you hear all of these... um, See these videos of him and he's got the Bible in his hand and he's teaching the Bible and he's quoting verses and you think, what in the world the world is going to think? This is what biblical Christianity is like. To have good, solid biblical training helps to prevent us from following somebody like that or looking off in that direction. What about some biblical examples? Do you remember the verse where um, Paul talks about the influence that Timothy had had in his life, that he had had a mother and a grandmother, Eunice and Lois, who taught him from the time of infancy? I mean, the word that's used there is the word for an incredibly young child from the point that they are an infant that they were being taught the truth and they were being taught to understand God's word. They were um, wonderful mothers and grandmothers raising and shaping the life of a young man because of the kind of understanding of the scriptures that they had. I think sometimes when I think that way about Mary, the mother of Jesus, we think about her that um, the commentaries tell us she was maybe 13, 14, 15 years old when um, the angel came to her and told her that she was going to conceive supernaturally by the Holy Spirit and she was going to be the mother of the Messiah. She lived in a period of time when the Jewish writings called the Talmud during that time state that there was a whole group of rabbis that their position about women, and this is the quote you'll see oftentimes, is that it was it is better that the Torah, which means law, God's law, God's word, the scriptures, it's better that the Torah would be burned than that it would be taught to a woman. There were many people with that kind of perspective about women in the time that Mary grew up. And yet when you read through her prayer in the Gospels of how she responded when the angel told her the special responsibility that God was giving to her, um, there are either two or three quotes from the Old Testament in that prayer, which means that she had studied and had some understanding of what we call the Old Testament scriptures. Somebody in her family felt like it was a good thing to teach women the scriptures. And while I believe that God's choice of her was certainly a sovereign one and he shaped her and he put her in a family where they would teach her the scriptures, I don't think he looked around Palestine at that time and said, who's the 13, 14-year-old gal who knows the most scripture? I'll make them the mother of the Messiah. I don't think it was quite that simple. On the other hand, I don't think the Lord would have chosen someone who didn't appreciate the scriptures, didn't want to know any kind of spiritual truth. She could not possibly have responded in the way that she did. Another scriptural situation, remember the story in Luke 10 with Mary and Martha and when Jesus comes to visit in their home? It's always been such an interesting passage to me. Uh, Martha was the one who was doing the typical woman's work, right? She was preparing and doing the hospitality and probably in the kitchen fixing food and serving her guests and taking care of the people who come to her home. And here was Mary playing the role of the student and the disciple and who was trying to understand spiritual truth. And which one of them did Jesus affirm in the role that day? Now, I mean, don't carry that to an illogical conclusion um, that, that there was anything wrong or negative about what Martha was doing or that women should not do those kinds of things. I think the issue was that God had come in human flesh to the earth. And at that point in time in all of history, he had walked in their home and wanted to sit down and speak to them and teach them. 
And more important than preparing for your gifts at that moment in time when God's in your house and he wants to have a conversation with you is that you forget about how nice the fancy meals are you want to fix and the compliments you'd like to have. You go sit down and listen to what he has to say. Okay, the second thing that I put down for why I believe it's, it's profitable for women to have a college degree is because I believe it helps to make us well-rounded, mature women. Well-rounded with um, a broader knowledge, a greater depth of interest in a lot of different subjects. I wrote several things down here. Um, I believe it helps us with our problem-solving ability. And, you're, and we're all going to be doing that for all of our lives. Whether you're wives or mothers or working in jobs or whatever you're doing, you're going to need problem-solving ability. And the likelihood is that the broader your perspective and the more education that you have, that your problem-solving ability is going to be better. Along that lines are just our critical thinking skills, the ability to evaluate things and decide whether one thing is better or another. Even in a um, theological sense, I remember... um, when I was in doing graduate studies and biblical studies, um, and some of the things that we would have to do, the professor would hand us a page of written theology from somebody's book, and he wouldn't tell us who the author was, he wouldn't tell us what the subject was, and we just had to read the page and determine whether or not this was doctrinally sound or whether it was not, whether there was something wrong with the theology in this page. And just to have the training biblically and the critical thinking ability to read through that, and there might be one word on the entire page that would give you a hint that there's something wrong with the theology of what this person is writing. But to be able to develop those kinds of thinking skills. And maybe you're thinking, well, I'm, you know, that's, I don't want to go to seminary and that's not the kind of thing I'm going to be doing. But the critical thinking skills, right, it scatters out to everything. We're going to be doing, right? It could even be an emergency with a child and you're making a decision who to call and what to do and whether this is serious or whether it isn't. And again, the more understanding you have across a broad field, hopefully that will help in making those kinds of decisions. Better decision-making ability because of the breadth of knowledge. I believe that being in college can definitely help our communication skills. Um, We've joked about this at times, but there are a few places you are ever going to be in your life that you are going to have the opportunity to develop communication skills and learn how to relate to people that you're going to have in our dormitories here on campus. I mean, do you ever think about that? Um, you know, you may have a gal down the wing that there are certain characteristics about her that absolutely drive you crazy. And you're making a decision every day of your life whether you're going to pass by her room, whether you're going to speak to her, whether you're going to pursue her and start a conversation, whether when she's saying something not so nice to you about somebody else, how are you going to deal with that? you're going to face the same thing 15 or 20 years from now when you are perhaps in a home or an apartment and your next-door neighbor is doing that very thing. You are developing skills right now in how you relate to people that will make a difference for you for the rest of your life. Um, Social and relational skills in the dorm. Do you ever think about the different kinds of people? Again, right here on our campus, whether you're in the dorm or whether you're a commuter student, you may have more opportunities to get to know other people from a totally different background than your own and to try to grow in understanding them. To dip people from different kinds of economic levels, people from different kinds of spiritual backgrounds, um, people with just all kinds of differences. Do you know how many um, international students we have on our campus? 
<clears throat> have you ever grabbed an international student and said, can I have lunch with you in the dining center one day because I don't know anything about your country and I would just love to learn about this world God's created and when I read the newspaper in the future and something's going on in your home country, I want to know how to pray about that and I want to have an understanding of it and I want to know how to relate to people from another culture. Would you get together with me a few times and let me get to know you and let me learn from you? We have incredible opportunities to do that. Do you take advantage of any of those kinds of things? Okay, the third thing I wrote down is that we can be a better world Christian. The more educated we are, and I believe that God means for all of us, whether we are missionaries overseas or not, to be um, world Christians, to have a world perspective, to understand something of current events, to read the newspaper, watch the news on television occasionally, to know a little bit about what's going on. And I know some of you are thinking you'll have more opportunity after you leave here to watch the news on television, and I understand that. Do you, when you see something on television about um, that there's an uprising and a riot in a country in Africa, um, I mean, have you pursued getting to know people? Maybe there's a missionary from your church. I remember a few years ago that there was this major uprising in Liberia, and they had burned down all these rubber plantations, and there was just the fear of the lives of any Americans who were in that country. Well... We had friends, a couple who had gone there as missionaries, and they were in Liberia. And I mean, we just, as soon as we saw the headlines that day in the newspaper, we knew immediately get on our knees and pray for our friends who were there in that country. And we were getting their prayer letters, and we knew that their lives might be in danger. And we knew that they may be throwing Christians out of the country, and this would be the end of Christian impact on that country. And to pray that God will accomplish his purposes in that country. I believe we can be better voting citizens that we can pursue the kinds of issues that in America where we do have the opportunity to vote on candidates, to be able, again, with our critical thinking ability to sort out some of that and to understand. We may find ourselves in, um, hopefully not hostile so much, but debates or discussions with other people about the issues of pro-life and abortion, about the issues of homosexuality and those kind, the kinds of rights that they're trying to gain these days. What kind of a broad understanding do you have of the kinds of issues both from a biblical standpoint, but also from a standpoint to maybe sit down with somebody who's not a Christian and talk through some of those issues and the pros and cons of that. Okay, the fourth thing I wrote down is that I believe that a good education will make you a better wife. I believe that um, it will make you a better partner to a man who is probably going to be a man who has a college degree. I believe it will make you a more stimulating conversationalist with him. Um, Again, I mentioned the other day, working as a single woman in a lot of different kinds of both secular and ministry situations and working alongside a lot of um, married men who are Christians and love the Lord and love their wives. But I've definitely seen some of them where you could tell they spent a lot of hours at work because they enjoyed the company and the stimulating conversation of the people at their jobs more than they did the conversation they were going to have with their wives when they went home. And not that that's just a college degree is what makes the difference or doesn't in that situation, but it might be the kind of thing that would make some difference. I believe it helps to qualify a woman to help and to assist her husband. She's going to be a helpmate and to help him in all kinds of ways. Bless you. Thanks. I think that in many marriages today, husbands delegate a lot of kinds of responsibilities to their wives. The better qualified you are to take on the kinds of responsibilities in that marriage and in the home that the husband would like you to take on, 
the better helpmate you're going to be. I think sometimes it can help you as a wife to discuss intelligently with your husband what kind of job that he has. Um, Do you think about many of you, I really believe that probably 99% of you will eventually be married, but many, many of you right now have no idea who that guy is going to be and what his job or career is going to be and how you can relate to that and whether you can converse with him about that at all. Um, Just as an off-the-wall example, suppose you marry a guy who's an engineer. Do you have any background at all to have any kind of a discussion about him, with him, about what he does, or to to understand any of that? And again, the broader your education, even if you don't take courses in engineering, hopefully the better background you'll have to have some discussion with him about that. I believe it makes you a better steward of an understanding of how to manage money, which is one of the most divisive factors in marriages and one of the top reasons that's given for divorces today an understanding of money and how to manage it and how to take care of it, and that helps to promote a good marriage. The fifth thing I wrote down is that I believe it will make you a better mother. Part of what you're going to want to do as a mother is to teach and to train and to shape the life of your child. And I believe that the more um, understanding you have of all kinds of things, scripturally and in our world today, too, that you are going to be able to have great wisdom in shaping the life of another person. I believe that you'll be wanting to help your children learn very early to do critical thinking, to evaluate things properly, to set priorities. And again, the more you're capable of doing that for yourself, the more you're going to be able to teach your child to do that. I've noticed with a lot of my friends it starts very early, and some of that's even issues of whether a child is going to watch television at all and what kind of stuff they're going to watch on television and how many hours a day they're going to watch and whether one program is better than another and the kinds of choices and decisions that you start making with your children, even from the time that they're very small. And not only that you're making choices for them, but you're helping them to evaluate the kinds of choices that they want to be making for themselves. It may be that the more education that you get, the more you'll be able to relate to an older child that you have better. Um, I've known women who felt like when their kids were toddlers or they were in elementary school, they had all kinds of confidence about how to relate to those children and how to teach and train them. But as they got older, as they got to be teenagers and even past their teens, they, they had a sense of a lack of confidence about not knowing how to move into the young person's life. I believe that it will show your children, if you have a college education, that you do value college education because more than likely one of these days you are going to be trying to persuade your children that they need to go to college and they need to complete their degree. And if you have done that and set an example for that, it's going to be much easier for you to persuade them that that's a good thing for them to do. And then there's the whole issue of homeschooling because you know that in our country today we have a huge movement among Christians of homeschooling. And you may or may not choose to do that. You may decide that that is or is not the best thing for your family and for your children. But having an education for yourself will even help you, I think, to make the choice about whether that's something you want to do and whether or not you're going to believe that you are adequately qualified to be able to do that with your children. The sixth thing I wrote down is that I believe it will help you to be able to better minister to other women. I believe that there a lot of things that are in Scripture, and and as we think specifically about the New Testament, about who we need to be as believers, as believing women who love God and who want to honor Him and to pursue Him in our lives. I believe that beyond really taking care of our families, that the one 
passage that really says to women, if you're going to be involved in ministry beyond your family, this is the imperative. This is the ministry that you ought to be involved in, and I believe that's discipleship of other women. When Titus says older women ought to teach the younger women, I believe that the more training that you have, um, particularly in the scriptures, but in all kinds of just an understanding of our world and of life, I believe you will be a better discipler. The likelihood is that as you get older to where right now you're thinking of yourself more as the younger woman, but as you get older and other people see you and you begin to see yourself a little bit as the older woman, it's very, very likely that the younger women in your church who are looking to you and wanting you to disciple them will be women who have completed college degrees. And it's not that if you don't do that that you won't have the ability to be able to disciple them, but I think the probability is that you're going to lack a confidence <clears throat> to just move right in and to want to do that. One of the um, women faculty members, when I had asked them for some input about these different issues, and a number of them wrote me notes and talked to me about it, uh, one of them said that her father was a pastor and that all her life her mother had felt inadequate and like she couldn't really fulfill her ministry fully as a pastor's wife because she did not have a college degree. Now, I expect that that wasn't true at all. I expect that she was very effective in the ministry that God gave her, and that was more of her attitude about herself. I believe that um, along this line of better ministry to other women, I think there are times that when we get the education and we get the training, and particularly even having the opportunity to work in secular jobs for a while, that it gives us the opportunity for credibility with some of these other women that we're discipling um, who are going to feel like we understand them better if we've had some of that kind of experience. I feel like for quite a few years now, I've really been involved in Christian ministry in a full-time sense where that's how I make my living and that's what I do full-time. But I believe it's given me a lot of credibility at times when I've been working with young people that... uh, to have worked in secular jobs for a period of time and struggled in the ways that they have struggled. My friend mentioned when I sat down that I should have given you some of my educational background. Um, my bachelor's degree was in journalism and English, and um, I worked for a while in some editing and writing, worked for a national magazine for a while, uh, doing some writing and editing, did some freelance jobs, writing and editing, and um, and faced all kinds of situations that where my friend and I both, and I'm going to introduce her to you in a minute, Um, where we worked at this magazine and what it was like as a Christian to have everybody else on the staff of that magazine who was not a Christian and what it was like to seek to have a testimony there and to when everybody gathered for their own personal happy hour back in the publisher's office in the back of the building um, to have their drinks and visit with each other, how to make a decision. When do I go back there and spend time with them even though I'm not going to drink with them and they know that? Or... Um, do I maintain my testimony better if I don't go back there? Or do they think I'm just a stuffed shirt and holier than thou and I don't want to interact with them? Um, how do I make those kinds of decisions when they're going places, when they're leaving work and going out to the bar? Does it make any difference whether it's a sleazy bar where they're going to drink or it's a really nice restaurant and they're just going to sit in the corner of the restaurant and I can go with them and get to know them as people and love them and build relationships and have opportunities later on to share with them? Um, because in a, in a fairly wholesome situation, I'm sitting there with them, but I'm not necessarily drinking with them. Um, 
lots of kinds of difficult choices going on a trip for the magazine to oversee some fashion shootings in a couple of other cities in the country and being on an expense account for a week and um, not figuring out any way that I could spend the total amount of money that I was allowed and coming back to turn money back in and have other people um, say, you're messing up our lives here because we don't ever turn money. Nobody, they don't even have a form for it. Nobody's ever turned money back in from an expense account. Um, why are you doing this? Um, it's really to have had some of that background of what it means to, to function in a secular situation like that has been very helpful for me at times in teaching Bible studies and in discipling other women. Okay, the seventh thing that I wrote down <clears throat> is that I believe that you will have more interesting and better paying jobs if you are going to work at some time in your life. The likelihood is that you will have more variety in your choices and your pay will be better if you have a college degree. Some of you, um, marriage is definitely in the picture, but it may be a few years after college and you are going to have to work for a few years. And the trouble is you never know exactly how long that is. When we worked at the magazine, it was always interesting to me. We were in a publishing company that had about nine or ten magazines. And um, I really would notice every day the women who worked at these other magazines um, I got a real early look at what it's like for a woman to have taken a job at some point because it was the quick, easy thing to do and still be in that job 20 years later and hating it miserably and hating the people around her and being bitter and angry. And we saw a lot of those kinds of women because they took those jobs thinking they might need them for a year or two and then they were going on to better things. But here they were 15 or 20 years later still in a job that barely challenged them the first year that they were there. You never know when, even if you do get married, when the Lord might take your husband and you would be widowed. And the people that you know about and who come to your mind probably are women who are a lot older than you are. But a gal that I've known for quite a few years um, got married in her early 20s. Her husband was a seminary student. Um, and she was either 23 or 24 when they found out he had a brain tumor and he died within six months. After And she has been single for about the 15 or 20 years since Mike died. Uh, you don't know that you're going to have a husband there to provide for you and take care of you for the rest of your life. The other thing is that as much as we don't want to ever talk about this subject, it seems like in Christian circles, and how much we say we use the term divorce is not an option, and it may not be with you, but you may marry a man that at some point down the line he decides it is an option. And you never made that choice and you never wanted to be divorced, but your husband leaves you and you have no choice in the matter because he simply does what he's going to do. You may need an education at that point in terms of being able to support yourself. You may have children at home at that point that you need to figure out how to provide for them. It may also be that you're going to need, you're going to be married, but you're going to need to be um, working out of your home. And I think the more education you have, the more likely you are to be able to find creative ways to do the kinds of jobs out of your home where you can be at home with your children, but help to make those provisions. And then the last thing that I wrote down is that I believe it's character building. It's just the whole aspect of um, finishing what you start and finishing it even though it's hard. One of the faculty members sent me some information on this. Finishing a goal is scriptural. Luke 9.62 teaches that we should finish what we start. The Lord Jesus set the model by, quote, finishing the work that his father gave him to do. The apostle Paul could anticipate a reward because he had completed the goal that our Lord had placed before him. 2 Timothy 4, 
7 and 8. Completing the college degree sets a strong foundation for completing other difficult tasks in life. So I'm encouraging you that, that you don't know what's out there for the future. No matter what you have planned, it looks really definite right now. You don't know what lies ahead. And I believe that what God would desire from us is that we seek to do all that we can to be trained in every way right now to be prepared to be able to honor him and do what he would have us do and whatever it is that lies ahead out there in the future. I have, in all of my life, I have never known a single woman I've ever met who regretted getting a college degree. I've known quite a few who regretted not finishing. I've invited five women to come today and be on a panel to talk about some of these issues, and I want to invite them to come up here and join me now. Find their seats at the table up here. Um, no, just go ahead. I have kind of an order of introductions. I'll figure out what to do with that. Thanks. Okay, some of these ladies you know and some you don't. And I want to tell you a little bit about each one of them and kind of why they're here today. Before we get into some of the specific issues I want to ask you all about, I want to just kind of introduce you and tell a little bit about um, who you are. And probably the main thing I'm going to ask you right now is what your degree was in and where you went to school. Okay? I've already told that for you, Julie. But we'll... we'll um, you guys all know our beloved Gail Bird. She's an administrative assistant in the student life department and helps everything in our department function. I'm sorry for that we're blocking some here. Um, Gail has a son, Kelly, who's a pastor over at Grace Baptist. Some of you know Kelly Bird and his wife, Kebra, and the and cute little Russell, the wonderful grandchild. And you know that... No, we don't have time for pictures right now. Um, and you probably know that Gail's been on mission trips with the college to Yugoslavia and to Kazakhstan, and that we're very excited that Gail is, we're not excited she's leaving, <laughs> very sad about that, but excited for the opportunity that she has chosen to go back to Kazakhstan for a year and to teach there and to have a ministry that we're very excited about. And Gail, I believe you went to Bob Jones. Right? I did, Betty, but I went two years to UCLA and then two years to Bob Jones. Okay. And actually a semester at San Jose State when I was working on a credential. Okay. And your degree? Oh, my degree was a BA in um, education, uh, Christian education, and I had a science minor and a Bible minor. Okay. And then um, Julie Larson, you know, um, She's a professor here at the college and teaches in the communications department. I think I've destroyed the microphone. <laughs> Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, Julie is single, and Julie has um, been on many kinds of world travels. I believe you taught for a year in China. Is that right? Uh, three months. Three months. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then I know Julie was on a missions trip into Hungary one summer when I was past her in Vienna for a couple of days because I was going into Romania, and that was when those were communist countries, and a lot of that was very secretive. Um, now, and so, Julie, you're, tell us where you're getting your doctorate and it's why a, you chose there, maybe. It's at USC and University of Southern California, and 
I have been there for my entire <laughs> educational background. When I was 17, before I became a Christian, I decided to go there. And I've just been there ever since. So okay. God just kind of gave me the opportunities to go to that school. Okay. And next to her is Brenda Friels. And many of you know Brenda because she sits in classes with you. Um, Brenda is a wife and a mother. Her husband is a doctor. And um, she is here right now because she did not complete a degree earlier, and so she has come back to get a college degree. Um, Brenda, you have how many children? I have three. Three. What are their ages? A son that's 21. (laughs) (laughs) You're making me tell, Betty. (laughs) A daughter that's 18 and then a son that's 13. I'm going to come back to you and ask you. I'm fascinated to hear why you came back. Um, and next to her, many of you know Kim Maddox. Kim is um, Dave's wife, and she is the mother of Nate and Taylor. And Kim, I believe you went to Tennessee Temple. We've had heard all of Dave's wild stories about that. Um, tell us about your degree. I have a BA in secondary education. And a minor in psychology, health, phys ed, and Bible. Okay. All right. And the person that probably almost none of you except some of our staff know is um, a friend of mine. Shall I tell for how many years? can't count that Probably a little over 25 years. Um, where Rita and I are like sisters, this is Rita Warren. Um, we've known each other for a long time. We used to be roommates together before she got married all those years ago. And um, Rita um, is somebody who worked for several years in her career before she got married and before she had her children. We're going to talk to her about that later. Um, She is a wife and a mother. She has um, a daughter who is a student at Biola. Should we tell them? (laughs) I just went down and spent the day with her at Biola a couple weeks ago and had a great time. Went to chapel down there with her, and we just talked our heads off about the differences between masters and Biola. Um, and she has a son who's a senior in high school right now. Her husband um, is a television producer. He's been a writer and producer, and he and his partner have created some of their own shows, and he's an executive producer now. Some of you will recognize um, some of their television sitcoms like Perfect Strangers and Family Matters with Steve Urkel and um, um, Step by Step. And the new one is Getting By. And they worked for years on Happy Days, writing scripts and doing some producing there, too. Um, Rita teaches uh, women's Bible study at Calvary Community Church out in Westlake. And we're going to talk to her some about that in a minute. Um, Rita, I believe you went to UCLA. Tell us about your degree. I have a bachelor's degree with a, uh, in English from UCLA with a minor in history. Okay. Um, let me, I'm going to move out of order now, okay, because I just, in terms of addressing, I invited each one of them because I want to address specific issues with each one of them, and then I'm going to throw out just some general questions that if we still have time, some of them can answer. Brenda, I'm going to start with you. Um, tell us why it is that, um, I'd be interested to know if, and I didn't ask you if I could ask you this, but um, right. <laughs> why back in the time when you were like 18 to 22 years old, why did you make the decision not to go to college right after high school? And then why did you come back now to do this? Why is it so important? Well, I did make the decision to go to college. Okay. <laughs> I went for two and a half years to Pepperdine, uh, majoring in education, and met my husband. 
who was not my husband at that time, of course, and we decided to get married because he was going to school in Arizona and I was here, and that didn't work out real well. With the plan that when he finished his education, I was going to return. But since he decided to become a doctor, he went to school for a long time. In the meantime, I continued to age, and we decided we wanted to start our family, all of which Betty may hate me for saying, but I've never regretted. I believe that was God's plan for our lives at that time, and I have no regrets, partly because of the experience I've had since I have returned. What really made the decision for me to come back was my involvement with other women. I was involved in a number of different women's Bible studies, teaching, and the more I learned, the more I realized how much I didn't know. And women, when they start looking to you to be kind of a counselor in their life, you become very aware of what you don't know, and you want to make sure that you're offering God's best to them. So I really came back initially into the Master's Institute program, which I completed. By the time I finished that, I knew I was not done. The older you get, the more you realize how important critical thinking skills are, being able to make the kinds of decisions that Betty talked about, and education just helps you form that worldview that it's really hard to see when you're 18 how critical that is to everything that you do as a believer. But unless you have that worldview in place and have formulated that based on all of the disciplines, you really don't see, I don't believe you see God's whole perspective. So I think education is extremely important, although I will tell you that I think God's plan for different people is different at different times. I've loved every minute of coming back. It's been a wonderful experience. And I'm going to graduate next May. And then I don't think I'm done then, so. Okay. Kim, I particularly want to address with you the issue of homeschooling, because you are homeschooling Nate, right? And he's how old? Nate will be 78th of this month. Wow. Tell us a little bit about how you feel like your background in education has helped you to even make the choice to do that and how it helps you to feel like you can do that effectively. Well, initially, having a background in education, I was one of those that thought I would never homeschool my children and didn't think that that would be the best for me. And as Nate has grown, God made it evident that that's what we should be doing for him. And I think having the background in education in particular, but even just a college degree, would enable, well, it gave more confidence to me that I could pursue this. Also, I think homeschooling is becoming more of a popular thing in the world even. In fact, a friend was telling me that out here in Santa Clarita, they even have, through the public schools now, started opening up umbrella situations, that if you want to stay at home and teach your children, that they provide the opportunity for you to do that. And I think that the fact that I had an education degree gave me more credibility in that area and would continue to do that in the future. Okay. Julie, I want to talk to you a little bit about the whole issue of a woman pursuing graduate education and pursuing a doctorate, as you're doing right now. In a lot of circles in our country today, that would not be an unusual thing at all. Sometimes in our Christian circles it is. I spent 17 years at Grace Community Church, and I'm not sure in that period of time that I knew one single woman at that church who had a doctorate. 
So in some circles, it's very unusual. Can you tell, do you believe every woman ought to pursue a doctorate? How did you make that? How did you make that decision for yourself? What do you think about that aspect? Well, I, Brenda and I had so much fun right before we came up here because we just agreed on so many things to share with you. And I think that one of the things that she shared that's very important is for you to be really sensitive to God's timing because it may not be right for you right now to finish. And you might hate me too, Betty. But realistically, I made a commitment. Oh, I remember the decision that helped me to go and get my first master's degree was when I was taking a class my senior year, the very last semester, in argumentation. It was a writing course. And I loved it so much that I went to my professor and told him, he said, well, our whole graduate program is based on this. And he said, I'll write you a letter of recommendation to get in. So it was either that or pursuing being a high school teacher. And I would rather teach college than high school. So I said, well, Lord, if you get me the teaching position so I can get a teaching assistantship and free tuition, and if you get me in, then I'll go ahead and go. And I did. And so I went. And I got a master's degree first from USC in English. And then I remember I came here when it was LABC, Los Angeles Baptist College. And when we started the communication major, Dr. Stead asked me to start the communication major. And my background was a little bit in rhetoric, which overlapped into speech and communication. But I knew that I needed to go and pursue further graduate study in that field. So I went ahead and went in, praying and saying to God, if you allow me to continue, then I'll just go and aim for that Ph.D. But if you don't, then that's fine, too. And right now it's going to be very interesting because I'm in a position that I also am ABD and I've passed all of my exams and everything. I'm working on my dissertation. But it's very difficult to get that dissertation done during the school year. And last summer I had some things come up to where I couldn't work on it. And if I don't get it done this summer, then that's it. So, and it doesn't really bother me because I think that that we should take advantage of the opportunities that come along our way. And if God channels you in a different direction, then you need to be sensitive to God's leading in that. And with that, I mean, I, I will try to get it, but I'm not going to ask for another extension if I can't get to a certain point after this summer. So I'll just consider that that is God leading me in another direction. But with that, if I have a kind of a, a minute or two to just share to check your motives on, do I have, okay. <laughs> One of the things I really like to share with my students is the whole difference between manipulation and persuasion. And I think that as you really try to find out where God would have you be, then sometimes we can manipulate our own selves into thinking that, yes, this is what God wants me to do, but really we're pursuing some selfish gain. And so although you might say, well, I, I'm going to work now, I don't have enough money and all that, there are ways to get money to continue your education. And so a couple of checks that I give my students to check your motives and check for manipulation, even self-manipulation, would be three things. One of them would be, obviously, to check your motives. Is it ultimately to glorify God? Is it to, if it's not, if God is not really a predominant factor, is it to serve other people or to um, help another grow in their relationship with God? And then another thing is, is if it's more for yourself, because there are some things that you do for your own self, then will it benefit you as you in turn seek to glorify God? And so that's not necessarily a wrong thing, is to do something because it benefits yourself. Then the other thing that, in terms of looking at what other people do to you, 
Are they unwilling to, to reveal to you their strategies? Do they have hidden strategies? If you ask that person something about their motives, do they get defensive? That's a real good sign that there's a little bit of ulterior motives going on or some manipulation. And then also, are there any contradictions? Are there contradictions over time? So you can apply those things to yourself as well. And I think that that can be a pretty good thermometer for you to decide where God would have you at this point in your life. And maybe like Brenda, where you don't return to school for 20 years. Uh, well, I don't know that part. More than that. More than that. Okay, I'm safe. <laughs> That's great. Um, Rita, I want you to um, tell us a little bit about um, why it was important to you to do something with your degree after college and what kind of, how you pursue a job or just what, what was valuable, valuable to you about being able to work for a while in a kind of in a career before getting married and raising a family? Well, I think the most important thing was that it, it uh, kind of took away the myth that, that a career is the most important thing in the world. Uh, I think if, if a woman marries right out of high school and doesn't have a career, she always has that feeling, that thought in the back of her mind, could I have been a great whatever? Would I have loved to have been out in the working world? Because I went, after college, went to work I had a couple of years to see that it was great and there were some really fun things and I worked with Betty and that was how we met and that was how I became a Christian so I wouldn't, again, I wouldn't trade anything for that. But when I got married, I was ready to get married and I knew that I was not giving up anything that was going to be uh, missed. I don't have any regrets for not having had a job away from home. I've had uh, a lot of opportunities to do different things out of my home. and I've been an, uh, available to be an asset to my husband in his job, which is a very high-profile, high-stress job. I think if I had a career along with the career that he has, we would not be married. It's very difficult uh, in his profession to have a two-career family. So I've had that experience. I don't look back with any regrets on the career, and so I was able to then turn my focus to my, my home and my children and my church and um, be fulfilled that way. Okay. You teach a women's Bible study out at Calvary Community. How many women usually attend? Well, on a good day, about 60. Okay. Normally about 50, 50 to 60. They're all age groups, which, um, again, I find that having a college education, I think you mentioned, I, I don't have a lack of confidence thinking that there might be somebody sitting out there who's you know, much more educated than I am, even though there are women who are probably better educated than I am, because I've had the exposure of a college education. Um, so I don't have any regrets about, I don't have any uh, lack of confidence in teaching the Bible study. I feel like I'm very, I'm probably better read, well read than, than most of the women because I have a background in English um, and also I speak that language, so, which works out quite well. <laughs> <laughs> One other thing I wanted to ask you about is that um, when, I, when I first met Rita and hired her at the magazine because she was looking for a job and I was having the opportunity to be able to replace myself in a promotion I had just gotten. And then um, we worked together for six months and then we moved in together. And about a year, um, Rita's Jewish, and about a year after we met, she received the Lord as her Savior. And um, when she met Michael a few years after that and they got married, um, when they got married, they were so poor... <laughs> that they couldn't afford a stove, an oven for their apartment. And so some of us who were in their wedding party went out while they were on their honeymoon and bought a stove and had it installed so that it was there when they came back. I've never forgiven you for that. (laughs) (laughs) She just loves to cook. Um, 
But one of the things that's happened yeah. that there's no way I'm quite confident when she married Michael that she could have anticipated um, how far he would go in his field and how much money he would make. And God has gifted them with great financial resources. And Rita is one of the main people in that partnership who helps them manage. Their, they're very generous in ministering to other people. Um, and many of us have benefited from that. Some of you have been to my house and know that my house is really a gift from them. Um, but can you tell us a little bit about just briefly how you feel like the, your educational background, if that's been helpful to you? Maybe I know you guys have bought property and... Even there been one time I know of where you went and bought the property without Michael even seeing it, and he allowed you to do that. It's kind of like Proverbs 31 woman. She surveys the field and buys it. Well, when we, were, when we were first married and we lived in a two-bedroom apartment in town, to show you how much more money I made than my husband, his office was a closet. My office was the other bedroom. <laughs> um, yeah, I have gotten very interested over the years that we've been married, which will be 23 this year, in um, financial things. And he just does not have the time to, to invest any of the money that he makes. So I have taken it upon myself to learn as much as I can, which is obviously a field that's completely outside of my educational background, um, as much as I can about stocks and bonds and, and real estate. And um, hopefully by the time he's ready to retire, I'll be able to turn over to him a portfolio that can enable him to do some things at a younger age than he would. He doesn't want to retire at 65 because of the high stress of what he does. He wants to retire quite a bit sooner than that and be able to go into a ministry type thing where he doesn't have to worry about an income. Um, yeah, the incident that Betty's talking about was that he, we had talked about getting a vacation home out in the desert. So I was off with a friend to go look at the property and Michael said, jokingly, I found out later, take the checkbook. Well, it just so happened that I found a, a condo and, uh, and put a deposit on it, made an offer on it, and came home and said I had had a, a shopping spree that day. Um, but we have invested in, in property. We have a farm in Oregon and um, a couple of other properties. And again, it's it's very broadening to me to have to continue. It's like a continuing education. And I really think that you can do other things besides what you are trained to do in your college education. You can. I mean, there are worlds open to, to every person who's willing to learn. It can be something that's completely at the other extreme of what you were trained to do and what you studied to do in college. Once you have the basic skills to learn and grow and be self-taught and know where to go for resource material, again, as Betty said in her, in her talk, you will never, you will always use those skills. You will never find that you wish you didn't have them. Okay. Thank you. Um, Gail. Um, we want to talk to Gail for a minute, and um, some of you know a little bit about the last few years about Gail's situation, and some of you don't. Um, I, as I thought about this and asked Gail if she would come today, um, I thought more and more, and I probably haven't sat down and told her this, and I need to do that at some point, how much respect I have for her um, in the situation that she's been in in the last few years. Gail is one of those women who, when she got married to a man that she had gone to college with, I believe, and he had gone to college with John MacArthur and was friends. I mean, they had good Christian friends and evaluating things, and Gail was one of those women that divorce was not an option for her. She married a man who became a pastor, but eventually in his life, divorce was an option, and it was just a few years ago that he left her, and um, so here was Gail um, kind of having, in a sense, just a few years ago, in some senses in her life, to start all over again. Um, and to be, in some sense, the sole financial support for herself. Um, can, and we're not here to talk about all the personal 
issues with that. But in that sense, she's like a widow. I mean, a widow is a woman that her husband dies or her husband abandons her in a different way. Tell us just a little bit about how you felt like your education helped you suddenly in the midst of that trauma where you had to start all over again. Well, I think that, of course, it was nice to have had that college degree. I think during that time, I did take some time to evaluate, did I want to continue my job here at the college or did I want to pursue a teaching career? I did have my degree and I had worked some on a credential, but I did not have my teaching credential. As it so happened, for me, being here at the college was a choice that I made rather than trying to go and pursue the teaching credential. When I was left, I didn't have financial resources and for me to have gone back to school would have been probably much more difficult for me at that time to get the credential. I couldn't afford to go to school and to support myself and all those other things. And I suppose if I had felt like that was really God's leading for me, I'm sure there would have been a way to do that. But I do have my degree and I have found that the college education that I gained has been helpful for me in many, many, many different ways. At that point in my life, I chose to stay here at the college and continue working here. And I really do think that was what God wanted for me at that time. And he's opened up lots of opportunities for me, but I would like to just say one thing real quickly and that is that the verse that Betty gave to us at the women's retreat in Jeremiah 9, where it talks about having a broad perspective for your life. I really feel like if you do that and if you pursue that, developing who you are and the gifts God's given you and the opportunity that you have to study and prepare yourself and to know God and to understand Him, then whatever He puts in your life, whatever comes, you're going to be prepared the best possible way you can. What we talked about along those lines is if your lifelong goal is to love God and to be obedient to Him and serve Him, you can do that no matter how somebody else, whether it's a husband or somebody else, is unfaithful to you. You can do that. If your goal is to have a husband who is always going to be there for you, you can't guarantee that that's going to happen. I cannot tell you how hard it is for me to cut this off right now. It is killing me. I want us to have at least another half hour with these women, and obviously we cannot do that. Most of them are around the campus, and you will see them or you can track them down. So if you do have questions and further discussion, please pursue them. Please, 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 my last word to you is I am not saying that a college degree makes you better than anybody else. There may be some of you. That is not what God has for you. I want you to pursue what God has for you. I just hope we've presented some things today that you can think about as you make your decisions. Let's pray. Father, we love you. I thank you for the gals who are here today, and I ask for your wisdom for them as they make decisions about their futures and as they evaluate even the things we've said today about the value of an education. I pray you would guide them in thinking that through. I thank you for our women faculty here and for how you use them in the lives of our students and just for who they are and the quality of people they are. I thank you for the women who took the time to come today to be on the panel. I thank you for them and for how you've worked in their lives and for the testimony that they are and for the ministries that they have. 
We give you praise today now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed.